Everybody likes guns. They just don't know it. Deep inside of the soul, there's a cowboy trying to get out. Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Hello and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 215, with your most amazing, awesome, bestest host, me, George. We've got Thomas, we've got Mike, we've got Benny. Oh, that's right. Benny's a quitter. He's not here. We've got Wanda. Oh, that's right. She's a quitter too. She's not here. And we've got Josh and we've got the lovely Amanda. I will I will give Wanda credit. She was on the last episode. Yes, she was. I know. She Benny's not. He, he's a, yeah. He Wanda says, well, did you listen? I asked her, I go, did you listen to the episode? She goes, no, I was on it. And I was like, oh, she goes, did you listen to it? I'm like, uh, no. She goes, oh, good. I threw you under the bus a couple times. And I'm like, oh, well, then Ching, Ching goes the trolley car. <laughs> That's why you want to be on this week, so you could uh, get some revenge. Yeah, it's only, it's only been 15 episodes since I've been on. I was on the 200th. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, I, when, you, when you're this much awesomeness, you got to give it out in small doses. You don't, you don't want to overwhelm the people with this much awesomeness. That's why it I, took uh, eight years to marry Wanda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wonderful Wanda. Hey, you, you know what? Uh, she, she was too much awesomeness for me. So I had to, I had to do a slow roll and, just embrace the awesomeness a little bit at a time. There you go. Oh, that's got to get me a new something. Yeah, <laughs> well played. <laughs> yeah, those brownie points. Woo, yeah. Okay, so, of course, you can tell that George is on the show because we scrolled off almost directly and immediately. So, coming up, we, uh, we did an interview with uh, Cheryl from Sundance uh, Retrievers about gun dogs and hunting dogs. And uh, I mentioned this briefly in uh, at the beginning of the interview, but I'll say it again here real quick. I've been taking uh, a pet dog training course, learning how to become a, a dog trainer. Just very, just very low level, basic obedience. You know, nothing, nothing specialized like like she does. Um, and when we we're brainstorming for for ideas, I got thinking. I don't ever remember listening to an episode on this topic. So the two kind of got in my head, and I thought since and since it was my idea, because you know it's an awesome idea. Um, there's that low self-esteem again. Uh, so I, I took, uh, I kind of spearheaded this and uh, did a little Google. So, anyways, uh, you'll hear about all that in the episode or in the um, interview. And so, I'll, enough said about that. So let's go to what we did in guns and get this train wreck of an episode on its way excuse me so i don't even know if i have a membership anymore because of all this stupid covid stuff and whatnot so obviously i haven't done anything in guns uh thomas you have your section blank did you do anything in guns i didn't actually go shooting um i can because I, I do have access to the range because it's it's closed to the public but i can always go in and test fire and stuff but i just 
I just haven't felt like it because I until this lockdown's over, I'm I don't start back work to the twentieth, so I'm just I just don't feel like it right now. Um, been getting knives though. I've seen the pictures. <laughs> I I I'm 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 like such a girl. I'm telling you, I bought. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Okay, you so shopping? Here, You've been doing a lot of shopping. A lot of shopping. I, I I even bought a pink knife. So like I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Terry comes oh. up to me out of the blue and she says, "I think I need a knife." I'm like, "Really? What do you want?" So you have to you have to realize first of all, Terry's dyslexic. She has CP. She's left-handed, right right eye left-handed right eye dominant. So she doesn't have the fine tuned motor con- control. Like she can't use a flipper. It just it scares the crap out of her. She doesn't have the skill to do it. So I brought out all my knives, and she not one of them would she do with one hand. And the only one that she could actually open and close that she liked was the Benchmade. But she said she didn't like the Benchmade because she didn't like the thumb stud. She goes, you know, I wish they had one of this. What do you call it? Axis lock with that spider coal hole. So I'd really like that. And lucky for her, Benchmade actually made a knife with the spider coal hole. They have the Griptilian and they had a license agreement with spider coal and they had the spider coal hole and the Benchmade and it was in pink. So she decided on that. And I figured, well, you know, since you're getting a knife, I'll, I'll get a knife too. Uh, okay. Fair. So she let me order. Yeah, it's only fair. <laughs> So that's she ordered. That's definitely the way it works. Yeah, that's that's. I think so. And mine was only twenty dollars more. Like I, I didn't go nuts. <laughs> so she got the pink. No, I think uh, I think hers has to be more expensive for that to work. I think that's the only way it goes. Well, that's that's the next part. Because <laughs> <laughs> she came up to me today. She, I, I won a knife today too. So yesterday, she, now she's so she used her. She prepared a lot of food with her little griptilian, and she goes, I really like the knife, but I think I need something with a longer blade now. So now she's looking at longer blade pocket knives, which is great for me. So she, <laughs> so I'm looking through. So I decided uh, Blades Canada is probably the biggest uh, knife store in Canada, and they just ordered a bunch of custom order benchmates from the custom shop. So you can order different colored hardware, blade steels, and everything else. So they had, I don't have a 20 CV blade. So they had the bug out with 20 CV, all black hardware, which was what I wanted. I didn't want it silver. Different. I wanted all black, but I didn't like the color of the scales. They're Ranger green, bug out, flimsy scales. So I ordered the knife, and it was okay. It's you know, there's there's nothing wrong with the scales on, on the bug out. It's meant to be an ultra light knife. So because it's ultra light, the liners are, are milled out, and there's you can actually twist the knife and bend it a little bit. And so I figured, no, it's not going to be strong enough. So my mom asked me what I wanted for Christmas. So I had her order me some really nice G10 scales for this knife. So I got the knife in the mail. I played with it. I didn't really like the color of the scales. It was mostly the color. I didn't care about the flex. So I put these new scales on it, put them on. looks really good. And then I start thinking, you know, I should keep it the way it was. I, I don't, because with the button... With, with the new scales, the access lock, the sides are a little bit wider. So it's a little bit harder to access the lock for the knife. So last night I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, you know, I should put it back to the way it was. So I took the new scales off. I put the other one back. So I'll keep it just as it was, just from the custom shop. So it's a custom bench made until this morning. I mean, this morning I decided to use it to cut open some, uh, do some recycle cups and cardboard. I hated it. 
An hour later, I'm back in there. I took the factory scales back off and I put back on. So I've changed the scale three times. So now I've Loctited everything. I can't take it apart now. So it's going <laughs> to... I use blue Loctite. <laughs> Is blue Loctite the permanent one or the... No, it's it's not permanent. No. Okay. I was going to say, I thought red was the permanent one. So that's right. So, so it's, it's, nothing it's wrong permanent, with... but you can still take it off. Yeah. It yeah just, so it's, it's not permanent. Big... Well, sledgehammers can pretty much get through anything. Oh, you don't need a sledgehammer to get through blue Loctite. Oh, no, the red. Oh. Soldering iron heats you. Anything that's going to break red Loctite. Hi, Tucker. We were talking about you earlier. And see, then, right. so I was, so the night, so I put the knife back with the flightanium scales, and I like it now. And one thing I discovered is that when I got the knife, um, the, this, I couldn't get the centering. It, the centering was off just a little bit. It wasn't touching the side, but it wasn't quite centered. So I'm thinking, well, maybe I put the pivot in the wrong way and I'm looking at it and I went on Benchmade's site and I looked at their pivot and I had it in the right way, but it's a D-shaped pivot. I figured, well, it'll fit the other way. If I put it through the other side and tighten it, it'll get rid of the, the uh, blade off centering. And it did. I put the pivot in the other side. It's D-shaped. It fit and it centered the blade perfect. So now I'm happy with the knife. Maybe I'll dye it. Maybe I don't really like the gray. Maybe I'll make it blue or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then just before I was late for the show because I was in the garage having a cigarette and I was watching. There's uh, there's three or four knife YouTubers that I follow. And there's this, uh, especially the ones that have contests. There's this guy down in the States called Love Them Knives. And he does a lot of budget stuff, but he has a lot of contests. Didn't I win the contest? I won the second knife, which is uh, it's a VV Send Cut. So it's like a budget wee knife. But it's, you know, half decent, but it's got a flipper on it. You know, it's only a $50 knife, but, man, getting a flipper over the border is, it's 50-50 it's going to go through. So I've got a YouTube friend uh, in the States named Walt Revan who's got a really small channel, doesn't have a lot of cash. So I wrote the guy that, that I won the knife from, and I said, instead of sending it up to me, can you send it to Walt down in, in Arkansas. He'd really appreciate the knife. So the knife I won is going to my friend in Arkansas. I'm not going to keep it. Oh, nice, Thomas. He doesn't have a lot of cash. He's 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 review, like reviews like Rough Rider stuff, the, the cheapest of cheapest that he can afford. And this one, even though it's it's fifty bucks, it's only fifty bucks. It's actually a decent quality knife. So long he'll have something half decent he can keep in his pocket. But guns, nothing yet so far. I haven't even looked at any. All right. It's too depressing when you can't go shooting. Aww. It is depressing, isn't it? It is. But Mike, speaking, oh, of, speaking of depressing, Mike, what have you been up to? Oh, thanks. That's a, <laughs> that was a lovely lead up. I'm glad you're back, George. <laughs> that was up for a segue. I just I saw the door opening wide open. I'm like, segue, oh, segue, segue. I, I heard your wheels turning. I'm like, here it comes. Like, <laughs> I'm like, I look at the show notes and I'm like, who's up next? I'm like, oh, Mike, perfect. <laughs> uh, so I haven't really done much, mostly like everyone else, because the ranges are all shut down. I did load some uh, test ammo just to test out with these new round nose bullets I bought a while ago. I still haven't had a chance to shoot them. So hopefully when the range reopens, I'll be able to test shoot those and that'll go well. I did build a wall with a it actually worked out pretty well. Trump size wall or, or smaller wall? Uh, well, smaller than Trump's wall, but uh, okay. perfect for what I want. It's about six feet long and about six feet high. 
and it's just for dry firing. So this will give me the ability to practice shooting around the wall. Um, you know, I just put like a bed sheet over it and it worked, That's a good idea. It worked great. Um, really like, cause originally I was like, do I need to even put anything there? Or could I just leave it open and just use, you know, the edge of it. But I think there really is something I want to say like in the mental realm of it, when you're coming around a corner and you can't see something, even if you know where it is, like in competition, you know where the target's going to be, but just not being able to see it. It's something that you need to see when you come around the corner and then process. So I'm hoping this will help, you know, practice shooting around walls, you know, getting used to coming around blindly around the wall and being able to, you know, remember where the targets are, remember my sequence, you know, and I can, obviously I can rotate the wall to make it, you know, a sharper or a less sharp angle so I can practice, you know, shooting around the wall. I also intentionally made it so the bottom was about, oh, I think 30 inches, I can't remember exactly, which is about me kneeling where my gun would, you know, comfortably be. So I have to scrouch, you know, crunch down an extra six inches so I can practice doing like a, a low port kind of thing. And uh, hopefully one day I'll put a, an actual port in it. So once again, make it so it's just a little bit too low. So I have to crouch a little bit just to give it that little bit of annoying factor that every match seems to have whenever it comes to walls. So yeah, um, I'm happy with it. Uh, hopefully it lasts a long time. I mean, it's inside. There's no weather on it. It should last forever, really. Um, yeah, just did a little bit of dry fire. You know, it's, it's, it is, speaking of being depressed, it is, it is, it is hard keeping motivated with the lockdown, Sorry. I find. No, it's, it's okay. I, it's not like I took it personally in any way. Um, but it is hard keeping motivated to like keep dry firing when you're like, you know, are we going to get out or are we not? Uh, I have a match that I'm supposed to run the weekend right after the whole lockdown lifts. And I'm pretty much living in limbo because I'm not going to know until like two days before the match, whether I'm actually going to be able to run it. So it's just hard to keep motivation up when everything up in the air so much. Um, and then hey, when's, the, when's the lockdown lift? It's next the Wednesday. The, is it the 20th of the day? Now is that Wednesday or Thursday? That's a Thursday. But the Thursday. funny thing is, and I asked, uh, I have a friend that works for the city and I asked her, you know, like, so did it lift on the 20th? Like, can I go to the range on the 20th or the 21st? And she kind of gave me a shrug and like, they're planning for the 21st because they like, it's not very well laid out by the government. So even like the city don't really know what the plan's going to be coming back. So. Right. Is it going to be midnight? Well, that's what I, I see one minute. That's the long weekend anyways, right? Because that's probably what they want to avoid is people getting together on the Victoria Day weekend. Yeah, so. which which it also seems weird in a sense. Why are they opening it up on the 20th? Why not wait till, you know, the Tuesday after or something like that? But whatever, I'm happy. <laughs> I, I know I would rather it be open four days <laughs> earlier. I'm not, I'm not actually arguing with them. It just goes to show how much thought they put into this. Um, and, and you know what sucks? The 20th is my birthday. So that could be a nice birthday present, though, if everything opens up. If it ends on the 20th, yes. Yeah. Could be a nice little birthday surprise. I mean, good luck getting into a restaurant, but... <laughs> yeah. Mm. But... I just want to go to the range. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I know the feeling. I haven't been to the range... When was the last time I went shooting? I think it was a PPC match, and it might have been in de December. So it's been... A... This is what's happened to Wanda and I is that we, we switched to a new club and then all this lockdown stuff start happening again. And then now we're kind of like, well, like we think our membership ended on the 31st and then it was supposed to renew, but we're right in the middle of a lockdown. 
and then we come out of the lockdown for what two weeks three weeks and back into another lockdown so it's like well like we we have no idea what we're doing like her son ben he's got his license and he's a member there but you know he's a typical 20 year old he's like i don't know yeah I'm, my card works. That's all I care. The way he goes is like, yeah. well, bugger, get back here. And smack well, well what we did when, because we, we lost a couple of months when people renewed, we'd give them two months credit on their membership. So if you renew, they'll probably, whatever outstanding credit you have from when the range was closed, it'll probably apply to your renewal. Yeah, we're East out Elgin. at um, East Elgin now. And so you they switched were, to Benny's club? Oh, did Benny end up getting a membership out there? Because I think he, he was talking about that one, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, I, don't but ever... I don't think he actually did it. I still yeah, don't, I don't think, think he has he a membership did. anymore. No. no best, last time I talked to him, he didn't have a membership yet. Because I think. George, are you, are, you, are you waiting for a club level safety as well, or are you good to go once it opens up? Uh, no, we did. We've already done the, the safety course and all that. The only oh, thing okay. I would have to do that I didn't do is uh, do three shoots, supervised shoots on the indoor range. Uh, to get right. access to the indoor range. Uh, that's the only thing I, I have to do. Other than that, it's um, I have full access except for the indoor range. And the indoor range is 24-7. But again, because of all the COVID stuff, they weren't <clears throat> running it, allowing it 24-7 because it was closed at the time. Like it's just, It was just an absolute mess. Yeah. Sorry, Mike. That's better for everybody. Kind of Mike, stuck. you said you have a surprise? Yes. So, I... Uh, I Another baby on the way. Uh, no, I, I do not have that okay. information, no. Uh, well, actually, okay. I do have a baby on the way, but it's not the baby you're thinking about. Um, I gave okay. into Temptation, and SFRC had a 13% off sale, which is the tax, so I feel like I cheated the government by not paying tax, even though I know I actually did pay the government tax. Just Whatever. Anyway. I got the Walther. Yeah, I bought the Walther Q5 Excellent. steel frame. So, yep. Yay! So I bought that. Yeah. Oh, Who needs more kids? <laughs> I do have one. I named him Walter. Um, <laughs> not Walter White, though. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so nope, that went through, and I, I actually my transfer had already gone through in less than a week. But uh, uh, idiot me, you know, I spent two thousand dollars on a gun, and I wouldn't pay the twenty dollars in shipping, so I have to go pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems so useless to pay the shipping when, like, I have family that lives not not in Kingston, but like down in that direction, and I usually drive down there once a month. So it's like, why pay shipping when we're in lockdown? I can't go anywhere, anyways. I might oh, as well. Those are not free shipping on such an expensive gun. That's crazy. How, how, okay, but I th didn't you buy it from FOC? No, I bought it from SFRC. Oh, okay. Uh, up in Harrow uh, Smith near Kingston. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So my transfer went through pretty quick. I was pretty happy about that. But yeah. So uh, I'm excited. I'm really hoping. I've read a few things that sounds like it might not fit my my regular plastic Q5 holster, but hopefully it will. Otherwise, I'll have to buy a new holster. And uh, like uh, Amanda said last last time we were talking, like that I have all the gear for it. I barely have to buy anything. I might have to buy a holster, but that's not really a big deal. Um, I have enough mags. I have the mag pouches. So I'm I'm excited to get. It. I'm excited to try it out. And yeah. I'll have to give it a whirl. I'm excited for you. Yeah. It's awesome. Perfect. Okay. 
Benny and Wanda, we've already established, are not here because they don't like the listeners. Uh, Josh, you're up. Well, I, I must say I'm excited. This is my first uh, first time to experience the full awesomeness of George. So it's pretty, <laughs> pretty cool. Were you not on episode 200? No, I missed that one. Oh, uh, you suck. This is my- <laughs> This is my first time. So but the, the rest that, of us I, love the, the listeners. I don't know why you have a hate on for them. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I mean, I've got the same uh, gripe as everybody else. Range is still closed, so no practicing for me either. Um, but I did get my Wrangler finally. All that waiting and anticipation, but I can't go shoot it. The range is closed. <laughs> so now it's just sitting in my safe. But at least I got to, to fondle it and, you know, hold it check and it all it out. And tell you how much you missed it. And... Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so I, in in typical George fashion, because I, I I don't, it's like people that follow sports teams and can name every player. I'm like I, I don't know. I just I like watching the sport. When I see Wrangler, I think Jeep or jeans, and I don't think either <laughs> one of them is going in a safe. Oh, it's a Ruger uh, single action pistol. Yeah, it's a Ruger. It's, oh, I think I saw pictures of that in the chat. Is that the yep. one you're talking about? Yeah. Yep. Single action. Yep. Well, if you, oh, if you listen to it's the like show, a cowboy gun. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. It's a twenty-two oh, cowboy gun, and they're a reasonable price. They're what, around three hundred. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Did you say it's a twenty-two? Yeah. Yep. Yep. That, that's like a kindergarten gun. <laughs> <laughs> you get the forty-five, man. Cowboys weren't riding around on horses with twenty-twos. They had the forty-fives. Oh, I can't afford that. What was oh. the last time you were on a horse, George? When was the last time you shot a forty five, George? And the horse you rode in. Okay, on. The the horse was probably twelve years ago. The forty five I can tell you it was less than twelve years ago. <laughs> but just barely, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's been a long time since Yeah, yeah, I've been shooting a lot of twenty twos. It's been a long time since I shot a forty five. <laughs> so okay, well, I okay, I'll eat my words a little George. bit. Twenty two is a manly gun, Josh. Keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. Um, it feels good and it looks good. And I, I was uh, the guy said he hadn't fired it, and uh, it, it looked that way, so that's good. So it was as advertised, so that makes me happy. So uh, just can't wait to get it out and give it a try. Uh, other than that, my first turkey hunt was a success. Uh, awesome, pretty much. Yeah, I, I uh, the the Monday after opening day, so day two of the hunt, I uh, raced over to Jeff's after work, and I walked out to where the blind was set up. I was getting excited because I could hear all the distant gobbles in the bush, so at least I knew they were there. But then once I got in the blind, there was nothing, absolutely oh, absolute silence. <laughs> That's when he messaged so like, me. Oh, how, how long am I gonna have to wait? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So got myself all situated. I set up the decoy and I started calling and I'm, I'm hearing nothing, nothing, nothing. And I was like, how long is this going to take? Yeah. So uh, then Jeff got home from work and he started spotting for me from his back porch with his, with some binoculars. And he could see them on the other side of the bush from where I was sitting. But uh, he, he noticed they were kind of going around the back of the bush. So he told me to watch out behind me. And I still still didn't hear anything. I'm just calling and, and no response. And then all of a sudden I hear some ruffling noises right beside me. And I look up and I see him strutting past me towards the decoy. And I'm like, holy crap, it's really happening. And I'm fumbling around and I'm grabbing my gun and I'm trying to figure out the safety. And I thought, oh, crap, I better get a picture of it because it's my first hunt. So then I actually got it, took the time to get a picture of him. And Before you took the shot. 
That's right. Yeah, I had to make sure that I got a picture of him. Oh, you took a picture so, of him before you, you took the shot? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, um, that's cool. So he, he was just kind of dancing around. He had his back to me, and I kind of just locked my sights on him, and I just I waited for him to turn, and as soon as I saw his head, I, I didn't even think. I just blasted away as soon as I saw his, as soon as I saw his face. And, and then, then his uh, face yeah, disappeared? Yeah, right. Pretty pretty much. <laughs> and then uh, Jeff Jeff heard the shot and he texted me right away. And he's like, was that you? And I was like, yeah, that was me. So he uh, he hopped on his four-wheeler to bring me a beer and give me a ride back. So that was, nice. that was perfect. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. So his friend picks him up, has a blind set out for him, drives him there, leaves him there for, what, an hour? Hour and a half? No, <laughs> I, comes... I walked out there. I walked out there by myself. He was oh, still at work okay. when I got there. <laughs> But, but nice. he did do all the scouting yeah. for you, right? <laughs> yep. yep. He did all the scouting. And another one of his friends had the blind. He set the blind up and he had the decoy. So all I had to do was show up with my gun and ammo. And then, uh, yeah, I was out there for about an hour and a half when I got him. That's so amazing. First, first time out, never hunted before, using a Remington 1100 with fixed chokes. You just had bead sights. You didn't have any optics on it. And you did a headshot. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. Yep. <laughs> Okay, now I got a question because I've I, I took the hunter course like hundred years ago, and uh, I've never really done anything with it. Turkey, is that a like, is that an endorsement you have to? Is that a separate course you have to take? I had still? to buy a tur- Well, it was it was within it, the it course, was. but I had to buy a turkey tag. There was a separate course you had to take that's now been eliminated, and it's a part of the regular course now. But you still have to so, buy a separate tag. So what about the old farts that never took the course when it was a separate course i'm it was a waste of money i had to take the course now you don't even need it so i could just go and well, i'd have to renew my outdoor license or my yeah. outdoor card just get a small then, game you just need a small game license and a turkey tag i think you have to have the small game license so plus the tag yeah 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 well if you yeah if you renew your hunting license that's the license you get is the small yeah. game and then you get your tags for whatever you're hunting on top of that whatever it's not covered by small unless it's changed i'm just this like four years ago i think the last time i renewed it if you're kind of hunting though george you just sit there all day you don't have to walk you don't have to hike you just sit there all day <laughs> same, you same can bring food still. you can bring drinks doesn't matter well i, I i'm i'm texting uh, josh right now asking for jeff's phone number yeah, <laughs> yeah. hook me up buddy <laughs> He's a full so service know, outfitter. Jeff's, Jeff's hunting resort. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He brings beer. Yep. yep. I'll go hunting just for the free beer. Like, can, way more than I, a beer. Can, but... I, can I use my uh, stagecoach sawed off double uh, barrel shotgun? Uh, as long as you're close enough, I guess. I'll probably take a head off. Yeah. Only if you pull both triggered at the same time. Oh, and I can do it one handed too. Uh, I wouldn't get that part, but <laughs> no, I don't think I don't think I've done both barrels one-handed. I I can shoot it one-handed though. You uh, get fixed chokes on that one, George, or they have t- some of them have tubes. I don't know what does that mean. It's a shotgun. I was it's waiting for you barrels. to say, yeah, it has tubes or barrels. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, yeah. They got barrels. I, I I'm, I'm got thinking barrels. for your cowboy gun, it's probably fixed. Well, with the turkey, it's... I can't put chokes in it. I can't add chokes to it. Yeah, so it's fixed chokes. So you might have like a, one barrel might be full, one might might be modified. You have to check your manual. What's the that? reason I ask it, it's it's better if you can put in a, a, the fullest choke possible. So Jeff was was limited also, or or Josh because his gun also has fixed chokes. He just has a full choke. So when he patterned it, he knew that his gun was effective. Twenty yards would be his effective rate. 
So you had to get the bird in pretty close to make the shot. You're going to be in the same boat, too. If both barrels doesn't take it down, I'll just chase the thing down and beat it with a club. Use the shotgun <laughs> like a club. Or you can be like that idiot on our Facebook group and admit that he, <laughs> he used a pellet gun to, to take a turkey. What? Oh, yeah, and he even... posted on there. And I didn't even click on it at first. Yeah, I had to, I practiced 600, and I didn't realize until after the fact that it was a pellet gun he'd shot it with, which is poaching. You can't use a pellet gun. You're not talking I about mean, the pellet guns. You can only use birdshot, four, five, and six only. You can't use rifles. I wouldn't even think a pellet would take down a turkey. Well, you can get a pellet that'll do, you know, 1,200, 1,300 feet per second. Well, I think he also mentioned that he had to shoot it three to three or four times, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Why and would, he, posted why would... it on, he posted it on Facebook, and I, I didn't even see that part. I just put a picture of Josh up saying, oh, my buddy only had to take <laughs> one shot, and he got it. And then it downed to me after I spoke to, to Josh that actually he was, you're poaching. You're using a pellet gun? It got pulled down real fast. Yeah, no doubt. Idiots. Okay. Hey, I'm so, doing something illegal. Let's put it on social media. Right. So sorry, Josh. I kind of hijacked your uh, your turn. Oh, that was that was and, it. I, that's pretty much it. Uh, that was that's all I really did in guns, and that was exciting okay. for me first time. I got so I got a question for you. Um, yeah. This is going to be this is going to be interview number one, folks, and then tune in for the real interview. Um, so okay. So you get the turkey, okay, it's now headless, and like, <laughs> how do you... the head was still there, but <laughs> okay, well it's it's a little floppy, you know, tendons maybe yep. holding on, yep. whatever, it's dead. So from there, like, what do you do with the thing after that? Well, that's like, how, that's how, how do you get the how do you get the that's feathers? That's what Amanda's going to talk about. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, Amanda, I didn't actually. Well, no, 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 that's okay because you know what? <laughs> Technically, like, like Jeff had rolled up. I guess to see Josh and he's like, yeah, well, Josh hadn't touched it. And so, you know, like it was Josh just getting used it with to handling stick. it. Right. So it's like, is it dead? <laughs> well, I kicked it. I kicked the claw a few times and I knew it wasn't moving. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you want to make so, sure because it could, it could really do some damage yeah, with those spurs. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So why, why don't we move on to a minute? Cause I'm, you know, George, Mr. Prepared, let's read what people have to say and, you know, I just get out of my own way. So who processed, who, who processed the bird? Well, we both did. So uh, I helped Josh. I mean, I that. shot it. I shouldn't have to process it too, right? Oh, That's Amanda's whoa. job. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Those are fighting words That's, right there. I was so. going to say, good thing this is a pod- podcast, not a video cast. Otherwise, we would have just saw Josh get smacked in the back of the head there. <laughs> <laughs> like if he threw it to my grandmother, she would process it. If he threw it to my wife, she'd throw it back at you. There yeah. you go. Well, <laughs> neither one of us had done it before. So, University you know. of YouTube. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, that's what uh, I'd have so, to do. Yeah, exactly. So, we, I, I was curious about it. So, I, you know, I knew he was going out hunting and I knew that uh, this was something that I wanted to see if I could handle. But you didn't actually future. think I'd get one, right? Like, you're no, like, oh, actually, yeah. no. That yeah, day, yeah. I had a really good feeling that you were going to get it. And I was like, yep, he's coming home with one. I know it. <laughs> And uh, yeah, sure enough, what was it? Fifteen minutes before seven o'clock that yeah, he shot it. Yeah. So, um, so I thought that was hilarious. So, anyways, uh, so we had definitely struggled, I think, as newbies, and I, I the, it really creeped me out because of the warmth of the bird. It wasn't that the bird was dead; 
I was looking at it. I was like, oh, whatever. And we watched a lot of YouTube videos. And I was like, okay, so you can either pluck or you can uh, cut the skin and then peel it back. So I already had a really good idea of what I was going up against. But it was the warmth of the body. It was hot. It was hot. <laughs> it, it creeped me right out. I can't um, imagine that. Because we're so used to, like, well, I'm speaking for myself. But so used to getting your meat cold from the grocery store. Exactly. The only time your meat's warm is when you've cooked it. Well, that's exactly. that's one of the reasons that you so, have to process it right away because it is warm and the bacteria is going to start to breed really, really fast. So you want to take the internal organs out to allow the bird to cool down or it'll just start to rot from the inside. Yeah. So we knew it's it amazing. had to be done quickly. And because it was a whole the COVID thing, right, we had nobody that could just come over and show us how to do it. Uh, so, you know, a couple things, I think a, a different knife could have been used. I don't know if you guys have any suggestions for, um, something for properly butchering. Um, and if I had handled the bird more myself physically, then I probably wouldn't have been as creeped out about it. But, uh, I think in general, once we, we decided to skin it, so we had, made the initial cut and you know josh went ahead and like was pulling on the skin and i think if we had just gotten because of course we're like a little iffy about it <laughs> we weren't going with the same velocity as other people would because if you go in there one was no big, authority there it was just yeah, kind of no. like oh is this right is this, give it a little tug is Do, this working no oh, okay yeah so <laughs> i mean if we had went with more velocity i think we could have had a lot more of an easier time but we sec were second guessing ourselves so uh, I think that made it a little bit more difficult. And But if we had been more successful with the pulling the skin, we probably would have been able to salvage the legs. Now, I know people have told me that they're really not worth eating, but I had the idea, and Josh and I like the idea of trying to preserve as much as possible. Uh, so I wanted to use it for soups or stews or a broth or something like that. Which is what I write you could do with the legs. So no, you just I have to question. boil them all day long. But yeah. Well, this this may be the city folk in me and the city boy in me. What most of yeah. is. What's wrong with the legs? Is it just because they're gamey? They're lean, really, really lean, tough? And muscly and tough. So oh, apparently, okay. and uh, trust turkeys, me, turkeys tend to walk a lot. George, I am just as uh, city slicker as you are. I grew up mostly in the KW area. You know, driving around in Toyota Corollas and <laughs> listening to my music. I did nothing of the sorts of hunting or, you know, maybe the odd fishing when I was up at my cottage, but nothing, you know, um, country related at all. This is all a new experience for me and I think for Josh too. Like, well, he probably did more fishing. Yeah. And this was his very first turkey, turkey hunt. He can first run like period. 40 miles an hour. Like, they, they, they can run. Yeah. Really? Exactly. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I'm asking so many questions because I, I can't be the only person out there. Maybe I am. I don't know, but I don't care because I'm learning here and I'm enjoying it. But uh, that's why I'm asking so many questions because I, I, I don't know anyone that hunts. So this is the closest to anybody that I've ever been to that's a hunter. Amanda, so was, the breast meat, great... was, the, was the breast meat solid white or was there some brown in it? It was pretty white. It was pretty white. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, so we managed to, to save the breast meat on both. Um, and so we cooked up one side last week. 
So we just did salt and pepper and did it on the barbecue just to kind of get a good feel for the what it tastes like. So it was definitely a lot more coarse and uh, than chicken, I would say, with a distinct flavor, but I wouldn't call it gamey. No. I, it, it was just like really good flavor. Like, good like, I really enjoyed it. It's good. Now, how many, the kids ate, how many of the kids actually ate it? Uh, Chelsea, my, my oldest, ate it, uh, but my youngest wouldn't, wouldn't eat it. And my kids weren't around, but Dawson wouldn't have tried. He won't even touch the feathers. He, he won't even touch the feathers. <laughs> He's freaked out by it. He at least saw the bird, and he was fine. But Nico, well, he was the first one to be like touching it. He's like, that's so cool. He's plucking the feathers. <laughs> that's awesome. Just, yeah, he was really into it. And then after a while, he goes, he kind of got upset about the whole death thing. He goes, I wish that the birds could choose whether they wanted to die or not. Oh, he did. He told me. He was good with it. Yeah, but he yeah. was good. But yeah, no, the he turkey was... told me. Oh, the turkey <laughs> told you. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what he said when he but ran I'm... by. He said, I'm ready. I'm, I don't want to see it coming, so I'm going to look the other way. And then eventually he what? said, what are you doing back there? Bam, he got it. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, at least Chelsea ate it. Right? Oh yeah, I yeah. Think she, I think she kind of liked it. Yeah, and but the littlest girl, she doesn't really eat anything, so we can't really use that as a comparison. Sorry, but I, I did find that the texture was a little more coarse a little, and a little tougher, maybe. Maybe a little tougher. So, um, my coworker's husband does a lot of hunting, so she suggested a a marinade with uh, Greek dressing and white wine and then marinate it in a bag turning it for about 24 hours before you cook it in the oven so i mean that was a suggestion but i don't know anybody who's cooked turkey like any ideas well well this time i really just wanted to cook it just as it was because i wanted to see what it tasted like i didn't want to influence the flavor in any way yeah so i just barbecued it do you still have a half a bird left then yeah yeah throw it in your smoker well, that's how I made this one, but I didn't really smoke. I just, I just cooked it with charcoal. I didn't really, but I didn't really smoke add it. any, any, add any wood. Oh, just, slow, slow cook it in the smoker. It'll be, it, it'll stay. It'll, it won't be tough if you slow cook it. Yeah. Okay. okay. So maybe I'll try so, that next. Time. I got another question. How much is a tur- a turkey tag? Twenty five bucks. Uh, it was just under thirty bucks. It was like twenty seven, twenty eight bucks. How much is a turkey in a grocery store? <laughs> they don't like it when you shoot those, though. I think a big bird's going to be the same price. That's, that was one of the memes I saw on Facebook when turkey season opened was a hunter with a with a butterball yeah. over his shoulder. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm looking, I'm like, I don't, I don't, like, I, I obviously I get the joke, but I'm like, that's kind of odd to be popping up. And then all of a sudden everyone's hunting pictures popped up. I'm like, oh, must be turkey season. Yeah, it's true. You, you got a good point, though. I mean, it's not a way to save money. It's not, uh, but it's a way to experience something differently, though, right? It's to taste mm-hmm. what it tastes like wild and just I wanted to accomplish it. I wanted to do it. I wanted to try it. See what it's all about. And the yeah, one no, thing that's, I keep that's bringing awesome. up, yeah, the one thing I keep bringing up to my other coworkers who are oh, white collar, let's just say that. So city boys, is the <laughs> the one gentleman. He's like, oh, but how can how could you do that to the animal? I'm like, what do they do when they're when they're farming? 
Well, I what, said it's it's a whole And that's process. what I said to your son Dawson too. It's like, well, do you think the turkey was happier in, in a in a tiny cage or do you think he's happier out in the wild? Yeah. So I to me, if anything, it set a, a sense of appreciation uh, for the animals itself and also to the communities who have to do that, you know, like how many billions of people need to be fed and they have to to process all of this so i mean i'm much happier being able to and i can appreciate finding our own food and and you know doing the process from start to finish and just because of convenience you know people are weirded out by it it is an interesting feeling like from from field to table like to to take an animal yourself and then to butcher it and cook it and eat it it's definitely a different different feeling yeah well and like you said i've heard before like the comparisons between wild animals and farmed animals. Like a farmed animal has a miserable existence and a miserable life. A wild animal has one bad day. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. It's just kind of one right. It's it's you know, no, I might imagine living out in the wild can't be all that great either. Like it's probably has its challenges (laughs) as well. But you know, the the kind of the 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 words escaping me, but kind of the the whole point of it is that you know, a turkey out in the wild is being a turkey. It's it's doing what it's supposed to be. It's being what it's supposed to be. Whereas these farm turkeys are just, like, they're just things. They're barely alive because they're just, like, they don't have any existence, right? So, we yeah, no. We speak to all farmers because I'm sure so, there's a few of them that do free range and things like that. But usually for the mass productions, you're I'm right. I'm thinking, like, the grocery store stuff, right? The stuff you get out yeah. of the grocery store is going to be commercially farmed right yes whereas you know like this is the tragedy right now i'm kind of squirreling here but i'm going to preach a little bit let me get on my soapbox here this is one of the tragedies about how and i'm no expert in agriculture so i'm just kind of going by different conversations i've had but like the days of like the family farms are gone you can't like they're, they're just the mega farms have taken over that a good wholesome family farm that like my grandparents had are they just they're they're dying off because of just the costs the you know all the red tape and everything else is that you know these big mega farm companies are, are that's what is buying up all these little farms and it's it's kind of disturbing because the old family farm had good practices they had the the quality was going to be way better because the animal lived closer to what it was designed to be not in little shuttles and in little cages and or or in these big warehouses where you've got like ten thousand birds and like you know each one of them's got like six inches square to live off of right because they're all crammed in type of thing so so yeah i'm not by no means am i bashing farmers or or trying to to kind of stick my nose up at farmers or, you know, I love my, my farmers, but they've, uh, they've definitely got a, a hard go trying to compete against these mega farms and these commercial farming. Outfits. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. So I didn't, I didn't want to come across as I was trying to, you know, <laughs> crap all over our farmers. Cause that's the last no. thing. That's the last thing I, I, you know, I would never do that, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, but it so. definitely brings in an appreciation for what they do have to do and um, it, the convenience of being able to get meat. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, prepared and not have to think about the process. And like, I know some people are not into it and that's totally cool. But uh, to me, it definitely brought a sense of appreciation. And I have always been the kind of person that if you're going to take a life that you're going to use as much of it as possible as well, I think that's the only thing I felt bad about was how much we probably wasted. I mean, it kind of looked like the turkey exploded in my garage. There's feathers and blood and everything everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't really a, a slick process, but well, that kind of you know brought me to what I was going to ask Thomas. Like, what what kind of knife would you recommend for that? I should have asked this question beforehand. But um, well, first of all, don't take it home to do it. Do it in the field. That <laughs> way, you don't get yeah from the misses from the mess you're going to make in the garage. Well, she, I was making her help me, so yeah. <laughs> okay. I was okay with him doing it in the garage. That was that was already previously discussed. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> what, what knife were you using? Well, I used a kitchen knife. I used my old hickory kitchen knife because <laughs> I figured that's what I that's what I used if I would would have cooked the turkey. So I thought that's what I should use now. And but I that shook didn't my work. Head. I shook my head right away. I'm like, no, you should not be using that well, knife. I, I didn't want to get any of my pocket knives all yucky. So I, you know, <laughs> no, you've got some. You actually have some decent steak knives that would have done the trick because they're they're straight edge and they're 14 C 28 and steel, so they would have held out. Yeah, maybe I should have used a steak knife. I didn't even think of that. Because they're, they're long and thin. It's nice to have like a longer, uh, thin taper to it. Um, like what about like my, my fish filleting knife? Would that have worked well? I usually use a, a small thin blade, like a trout blade or a bird blade. I've got uh, – it's just a blade still – with a with a bird, you're you're not going to be hitting a lot of grizzle and bone, but it, it will dull a knife. So if you have like a, a really did, soft, yeah. a really soft steel, it will do it really fast. Um, I use it for processing. I go up to like a powdered steel, like S S thirty V, something that will hold an edge for a long time. That's a problem with with the the lesser steels; they don't have the edge retention. So you're fine through soft stuff, but as soon as you hit a bone or any grizzle, it just it takes the edge right off. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely we're hitting bone, but I mean, I wouldn't say we had, the meat was clean. There wasn't a whole lot of gristle there. So I was pretty excited about that. And I saved the, saved the fan and I saved the beard. I'm going to try to mount that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got that on a piece of plywood in the garage right now. So they look really nice when they're mounted. They're expensive, but it looks really nice. Now that, that brings me up to the next thing. There was a, there's a little bit of debate about what my turkey actually was. Because it had a beard and it was strutting for the for the decoy, but there was no spurs. Could have been female. They do have the occasional bird. As long as it has a beard, it's legal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just thought because it was going after the hen, but I guess that could have been a territorial thing too, eh? Um, if it's going after the hen, the odds are it was a male, but I didn't really take a good look at the bird. Yeah. I know Jeff. Jeff thought maybe it was just a really big Jake and it wasn't developed enough, but it was. It had like a nine-inch beard and it was like twenty pounds. So, I don't know. Well, there was no legs in it when you opened it up, so that's no, no. That's that's a sad thing though, because even though you can take a bearded one, and and sometimes you don't know because they look just like the males, and you don't know until you open it up that you've, you've harvested the female. Now it's legal if it's got the beard, and in the fall it's legal. They're all open in the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, I saved the uh, wing bones too because I saw on YouTube you can make a wing bone call. <laughs> so I think that'll be my next project. So I've got those in the freezer right now. But that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, but I think that's about it for us, anyway. 
Yeah, any type hurt. of call where you can keep your your hands like the box calls are great, but you need your hands to shoot. So if you can master a mouth call of any type, it's definitely to your advantage. Definitely. All right. Well, I do kind of feel like I was cheating a bit though, being in the blind. <laughs> well, they have eyesight like a hawk, so yeah, you want the blind. Yeah. So good thing you had good camo, and uh, they didn't see you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, this brings us to our main topic, which is our interview with Cheryl from Sundance Retrievers. So I will kick it over to the interview we did uh, just before we recorded, and then I will see you on the flip side. Okay. So now to the interview. Uh, we're here with uh, Sundance Retrievers and Cheryl. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I was saying um, to the to the folks before that of all the podcasts I've listened to, I don't ever, ever remember hearing a show about hunting dogs and what goes into training them. And my Facebook has been blowing up the last uh, week with all these hunting, tur- must be turkey season. Obviously, I haven't been out hunting turkey. Um, but I, all these people are hunting and I'm like, huh. We should do an episode about dogs, and I've been taking uh, a pet training, pet dog training course, and the two kind of just hit my brain at the same time, and I'm like, we need to get somebody on that trains hunting dogs. So I reached out to uh, Cheryl at uh, Sundance, and so let's start with a brief introduction, Cheryl, and I will turn the floor over to you and tell us about who you are and your background, and we'll tell you from there. Okay. Uh, my name is Cheryl Sundin, and we have Sundance Retrievers. So we have a 200-acre private hunting preserve where we have about 35 gun dogs, companions, uh, search and rescue, or started detection dogs in training. So we start them from birth uh, until they complete their training program. So some dogs can be here for six months, others for two years, depending on what the client's looking for. Okay. Now, for your breeding program, how do you determine what bloodlines you're going to use? Like, I was on your uh, website, and uh, you had listed, uh, was it British? Uh, well, let's, what are the three bloodlines that you primarily use? We primarily use American, British, or English Labradors. Uh, and we we have lines that are just American, just British, and just English. But depending on what we're looking for, we will combine them. So, the British will breed the British to the American, the American to the English, uh, to try to look for, you know, the qualities we want. We want high drive, bitability, trainability, uh, really looking for a dog that wants to work with you as a partner. Now, I, I, I don't want to start anything with our dear American friends. Well, I should say you're um, from Pennsylvania, right? Yes. Okay. Just, just so, <laughs> just so everyone knows, knows, uh, the context of what I'm about to say. I don't want to start anything with our American <laughs> friends down the south, but I do have to point out that it's a Labrador retriever, which is Labrador, Newfoundland, which is Canada. I didn't hear Canada bloodlines in there. How did we get left off the list of bloodlines when it's our dog? I'm not trying sure. to start. You'll have to, you'll have to send me a Canadian Labrador to work with. I'm not trying to start anything. I just saying, I kind of <laughs> notice a can. It's a Labrador retriever. Anyways, just just trying to be a bit of a smart butt. Okay. So you'll have to bring me one. 
<laughs> well, I've got I've got a lab from Florida, and I think he's mixed with Whippet. I thought Greyhound at first, but he's too too small for Greyhound, so he must have Whippet in him. And he's just a tiny, tiny little thing. But again, he's an American. He's uh, from Florida, so I don't have a Canadian <laughs> lab. So I guess that's on me. Uh, so they call them meth labs up here. So. Meth labs. <laughs> That was mean. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Thomas. Uh, okay, so um, how for how long it takes, you kind of mentioned uh, six months to, to two years, depending on what the client wants. So what would be an example of, say, a dog that you have for two years? Like, what would the client be looking for in that type of dog? So a two-year-old dog is, is what we would classify as a Finnish gun dog. You know, they have plenty of hunting experience. Uh, we've used them for guiding. They can handle. They can do blinds. Uh, they, they really are your ready-to-go partner. Uh, before that, there's a 14- to 16-month program where it's a, a started gun dog with a foundation that has, you know, three or four months working on the preserve. And then the started gun dogs are about a year old, and that's a, a younger dog of 10 to 12 months old that has their foundation skill sets. And they, they've been hunted over enough that they know what their career is. They just need to, to hunt more. Okay. Now, uh, perhaps we should, because uh, this is for, for new folks, uh, what, what, how would you define a gun dog? What is a gun dog? To me, what makes a gun dog is really the foundation. Uh, you need hear, heal, sit, hold uh, to really hunt over them. You've got to be able to talk to them. Uh, so even with a young dog, like a, a puppy in training, you're going to do a lot of bird work. You're going to get them excited about feathers, exposed to gunfire. But it's your obedience training, you know, here he'll sit. That's probably the most important aspect of gun dog training. It's something you're always going to talk about with them, no matter if they've picked up 50 birds or 300 birds. If they're a year old or if they're five years old, it always goes back to their foundation training. Now, on on your website, uh, you mentioned, uh, you talk about host family. So uh, what, what exactly is a host family? Uh, so our breeding females, um, they're not here. So they don't live in the kennel. They have a family of their own. And they'll come here and they'll whelp, you know, two to three litters. But during the time that they don't have puppies, they are with their families. And then when they have their third litter, they're retired. And so they just go home. And we normally retire them around four years old. So it's oh, about being able to grab those genetics. Uh, more than having lots of puppies. Right. I was just going to say, so it's not, you're not running like 10 litters out of the, out of a dog over the course no. of its life. No, oh, that's we're really good. looking to, to take what we see and that we like in a female and combine it with a, a male that's going to complement her. And that's what you want to see in the puppy. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm using this term right. So all the rural people, Send your hate mail to Thomas. Uh, so this is like this is. Hey, I have a gun dog. <laughs> this would be. Is this what they call like husbandry? Animal husbandry. Animal husbandry, yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. That I just learned something. There you go. Uh, I've I've watched. What was the dirty jobs? Sorry, Cheryl, I I squirrel a lot. 
these guys try to keep me in line, but they never succeed. Um, I watched Dirty Jobs with Mike Rowe, and he was he, he was, they were kind of explaining the same thing with um, cows, and they had different bulls uh, semen, and they'd look at the cow, and he'd like say, okay, well this cow's got this characteristics, so we want to get rid of these characteristics, put these ones in, so this is the bull, and I'm like, holy cow, this is like hardcore science stuff <laughs> it's not quite as simple as you take a take a boy dog take a girl dog you know let them have a pen for a night and ding puppies a little more a little more involved than that i have a it's question really about sure sure i sorry i just wanted to pop in there and i wondered so how do you find uh the host families is there uh like a registered breeding program that you can touch base because obviously you're looking at purebred for the most part american and english and uh what was the other one you said sorry right. but my, my point is that you, you have to find like dogs with papers so how do you find them well, we usually um you know i'll i'll use a network of breeders that i know or most of our females now are from are from pairings that we've created uh, and our host families consist of, you know, past clients, friends, and families that we know. Um, uh, my couple of my aunts have some, so it's just it's a, a close network of people you can trust. You well, that's very, very good. You probably have a very large network after all this time too to, to draw from. Yep. And to touch on Georgia, the reason a lot of times they'll bring in dogs from different countries is just it gives it a stronger genetic field. Because if you keep breeding all within the same, you, any problems in that line can be repeated. So if you bring outside sources, you just bring you create a stronger animal, basically, with less genetic uh, abnormalities like hips and stuff. You just make a stronger breed if you bring in different stock. That's correct. We do a lot of outcrosses. So when we breed our American lines to our British lines, then it's a it's a pretty large outcross. Uh, we also import a lot of semen from the UK. I'm kind of sorry. I got kind of lost in my questions here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I realized some of the, no, no, the. I'm a truck driver by train, not a professional interviewing. So I'm doing my best, folks. Bear with me. Um, so on on the website, I saw that um, you you list off a bunch of certifications and registrations. Um, perhaps we can uh, you can uh, tell us what what those are. What, let's start with the certifications. What kind of certifications can you get for these dogs? Like, are there? Are you talking sure. about? Like the health certifications? Yeah. Or are you talking about field Our certifications? Bird this certifications. Was... So yeah. some of the dogs are, you know, they're American field trial winners. I'm sorry, field trial champions. And then if you're talking about the British, you have field trial winner and field trial champions as well. So it really depends on what club or game you're playing. So each of them would be a little bit different. So here, is, is NAVDA still the big uh, field organization? I think it's it's more it would it would again depend on what club you're using. There's quite a, a few out There's there. Quite now. A few, yeah. If you've never seen a, a, a game dog trials, George, you you have to check it out. I went up to one in Port Perry a few years ago, and they ran the dogs all day for their field points, and it's quite a thing to see. Okay. Well, I apologize. When I was writing the questions out, I had your website kind of side by side. 
and so now I realize the questions didn't make much sense without <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the website. Okay, so on, on the website, um, you have listed here like a, a sporting gun dog, classic gun dog, and then occasional gun dog. Sure. So I'm just wondering what, what those are and what like what are the differences between the three? So our sporting gun dogs are, are primarily going to be American. Um, you know, they could be American bred to British, but it's, it's, it's more of a category. So what we're looking for a sporting gun dog line is a little bit hotter, more drive, uh, a dog that you could compete with or, a, you know, a very active hunting partner. When we go back to the, we go to the classic gun dog line, this is primarily going to be our British bred to British line. Um, so a little bit more mellower. They're going to be a little bit more, I don't want to say blocky in build, but a little bit more thicker than the American lines uh, and have more of an off switch. When you get to the occasional gun dog line, this is going to be primarily English. So you're going to have that stockier build, um, more easy, you know, easy go lucky, um, you know, calmer dog. So I have a question. Um, what do you want a gun dog for? Like, I just realized that we're halfway through the conversation. I realized I don't even know what you want, like your gun dog to do. Like, I assume that there's different, there's different types of hunting. There's different kinds of gun dogs, like to perform different things. We primarily do upland and waterfowl. So whether you were using them to quarter a field or flush or retrieve from a blind is probably the two uh, that they're most used for. Okay. So, so retrieving down ducks and to, I want to say, stir up birds to get them to fly so that you can get them out of the yeah. air? Okay. Yeah, you could you could use them for pheasants, quail, chucker. Okay. Essentially like a, a hunting dog. Well, you want to get the dog that's geared towards the type of hunting that you do. So if you're if you're more waterfowl, a retriever is an excellent dog. They're great swimmers. They've got the double coats. They're they're, they're good in the cold water. Uh, you may want a different breed for field work or a different type of lab for running fields. It all depends what type of hunting that you do, really. Now you were saying with the the host families, uh, you've got them kind of out with friends, family, and former clients. So it so it's safe to say that these would be family dogs. Uh, as opposed Absolutely, to yes. uh, a protection dog. Even our even our Finnish gun dogs that would that are they're always first and foremost they're a family dog that can hunt. Right. Okay. And so when when you have a litter come through and you've got you've got all the little cute little bundles of joy in front of you, are they? Like, are they all going to end up being uh, a hunting dog, a gun dog, or is there certain qualities that they must have where, you know, not every one in the litter is going to have those qualities? You're, you're looking for certain things. So say I have a litter of, of five and I need three companions and two gun dogs out of that litter. So for my companions, I'm looking for the individual that wants to stick with you a little bit more. Um, that would rather cuddle in your lap than say, you know, go tackle a fallen feed pan that made a lot of noise. Uh, for my gun dogs, I'm looking for that that curiosity and, and just being, you know, fearless. 
So, you know, if you drop, say, that feed pan, it makes that rattling bang noise. You know, of those five puppies, you know, two or three are going to watch it and go, oh, my goodness, what is that? But my gun dogs out of that litter would probably be the ones that run forward and tackle the pan. Yeah, uh, so yeah. that's kind of what you're looking for. And you're going to see that at a rather young age, like five to six weeks, you start seeing those individual personalities come forward. Now, once you, you've, sorry, go ahead, Thomas. I was going to say, it's, it was funny because we just got a, a dog, be two years, year and a half ago. We got a, another pointer, same breeder and everything. So we got first choice. because This is our third dog through them. So, you know, when the wife called, and told her what she wanted in dog. When I got there, the breeder already had this 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 really nice, quiet white. And it was curled up, not bothering anything. So my wife's in a wheelchair, so she wanted. She's thinking a companion dog for my wife. I'm like, I don't want that. And there's this really wild, yeah. crazy one that was chasing everything and investigating everything. And I said, I want that one. So the breeder tried to get the nice, calm one for Terry, but it didn't suit my needs. I wanted the hyper crazy one that was going after everything and exploring and everything. So. They, they they can gear it towards what you want. Mm-hmm. And she's still mad that I got the crazy dog, but <laughs> <laughs> I got my my new dog chases shiny objects and he goes mental when there's a shiny object anywhere. Any reflection, he goes crazy after it. It's, it's just nuts. So sorry, I had a question. Um what do you do with the dogs that you determine don't have the desirable qualities that you're looking for? For what program? Like for for any of your hunting dogs, like if you if you have a litter, and I don't know what a litter is, five puppies, and you find that one dog just doesn't have the qualities that you want, do you do you just sell off that dog as it's a family dog, or do you do you try and train every single dog from every litter, regardless of how good the drive is? I'll say I'm I'm not sure if I'm using the right word. So we really fit the dog for what they're going to be. So you wouldn't make a companion dog into a gun dog, nor would you make a gun dog into a companion dog. So it depends on, you know, what the clients are looking for and what attitude and and energy and, and who the dog is. So you really can't fail being a companion dog. Okay. Um, You know, it's just be a good dog. Um, it's a little bit harder with the gun dogs because you're looking for that drive. You know, they've got to be able to chase down birds. So as far as companions, it's pretty easy to find a companion in a litter. With gun dogs, it's, you know, you're just looking for a little bit more. So no one really ever fails uh, because you're you're putting them in the best position to succeed. Okay. That's, that's good to hear that there is no, I want to say, failure of the dogs. They all They all pass. So once, so once you've determined which, which ones are going into which program, whether it's going into the companion program, um, or the gun dog program at that point, like what kind of age, uh, did you say they were, did you say it was about five by five weeks? You have an idea? Um, about five to eight weeks. We can kind of sort the litter out and say, you know, this is who you're going to be. And this is, this is what you're going to be good at. And then from that point, you're like up, or I guess at the during this period, you're doing the basic obedience training, correct? Regardless of what program well, they're going in. In the, uh, the, the, it's a puppy program, and it's basically a learn to learn program from the time they're about four weeks old to about four and a half 
month old or maybe even five months depending on the maturity level where you're just really showing them cool and exciting things and you're suggesting what you would like them to do. Uh, so we teach them as a litter to go for group walks and we'll go in the woods and we'll have, you know, pheasant wings planted so they can find and we'll do, you know, pistol fire to expose them to that. Uh, but as a young puppy, like if you're trying to teach a young puppy to heal and you want them to be on your left side, then you would happen to have the, the really tasty treats in your left pocket. And when they would kind of migrate over to that side, then you would give them a treat. So you're starting to teach them from a very young age that when you happen to be in this area, you get good treats. So once you start to teach them to sit, if you can teach a young puppy to sit on your left side where the treats are, then all of a sudden you're also starting to get a suggested heel because that's where the treats are and that's where they're going to come over to. So at a three and a half month old puppy, you can get that picture of heel and sit. Um, even if you're just suggesting it, you're not holding them accountable to anything. And at this you can point, start teaching a lot. Yeah, and at this point, like you said, you're already starting to kind of introduce some of the some of the aspects that they're gonna if they go into the gun dog uh, program that they're gonna be exposed sure. to, right? Like the pheasant wings, and like so they're already kind of all this stuff is already slowly being exposed to them even before they've really kind of diverged into either program. Absolutely. In the beginning, the program's the same for the companions and the gun dog. Here, heel, sit, exposure to birds and gunfire is pretty much what they do six months and under. Uh, once the companions have their formal obedience of here, heel, sit, then they go around, they go home around six to seven months old, and then the gun dogs stay. So, in the beginning, the program's very much the same for for both. Right. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, my uh, my lab is afraid of everything, including his own shadow. So there there was no way I'd ever be able to take him out to the range. But I'd always see other people, uh, not very often. You don't see it very often, but every once in a while you'd see somebody with their dog at the range, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could bring my dog. But he he never had that exposure at a young age, and I don't even know what his exposure was because he's afraid of everything. But so it couldn't have been a good experience growing up. I didn't get him until he was two. So he was kind of broken by that point. <laughs> Not broken. He was a good dog, but um, there's certain things were already set in place that weren't going to get undone. Um, so, so that's cool. That, but regardless of what what path they're going to take, if they end up becoming a companion dog, they've still been exposed to that sort of stuff. Sure. Well, so. and gunfire just mimics any other loud noise. So it could be, it's more the idea that you're going to hear something, you know, kind of loud and scary, but it's not a big deal. Um, yeah. So it could be a car backfiring. It could be fireworks. And they've just always got that, that just in their roundhouse that, oh, we've heard loud and scary things and I got to eat mud afterwards. So it's not, <laughs> 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 you know, if you can imagine a litter of puppies frolicking through the woods, you know, they're going splashing through mud puddles and they're they're going over logs and they're chewing on sticks. Well, you fire off a couple of starter pistol rounds from that. They're going to look at you and go, ah, that, this stick's pretty tasty. I don't really care what you're doing over there. Uh, right. and so by the time you do that for a couple of walks, you could just fire away and they're like, yeah, that's boring. We've heard that before. <laughs> right. Now, now, once the companion dogs have gone home and uh, or gone to their homes, 
and you've uh, you're at that six month period. What's the next step uh, from say six months to twelve months? So for young for young gun dogs, after we've taught hear, feel, and sit, we start teaching them hold. And hold means I'm going to put, this is going to go into your mouth and I want you to hold it. And that gives you your delivery to hand. So when your dog comes back with their duck or their pheasant and they're going to sit next to you and hold on to it and then give it to you. Here, heel, sit, hold is primarily the foundation of any gun dog. Um, as long as you have those skill sets, you can really talk about anything. You know, if I, if I want you to be here or how I want you to sit, how hard I want you to hold the bird or, or to leave it and let go once once I'm ready to take it from you. And then from, from 12 months, uh, you had said, um, so at one year they're, they're, they're a gun dog. They're at that point, it's just 10 to 12 months. And then, and then from, from one year to two years, um, at that point, it's just kind of deepening that training and that just kind of more repetition kind of fine tuning. Is that what happens? For the seasoned gun dog, which is in between started and finished, for the seasoned gun dog, you're taking that foundation skill sets of here, heel, sit, hold, and you're doing, you know, three to four months of, of training, you know, on the preserve here, uh, or we also guide it to other preserves. So you're just kind of giving them that more of a hunting exposure and experience than you than the started dog would get. A finished gun dog is going to have the, the, that basic foundation plus, you know, almost two seasons of hunting on them, but they're also going to have a handling skill set as well as being able to do blinds, um, to, you know, stop them in the field and direct them to go someplace else. So, and, and that takes a lot of repetition. Well, I can imagine. I think my dog sees a squirrel. I don't know if you guys can hear the dog barking in the back. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> He's downstairs on another floor. I can hear Wanda yelling at him. Um, oh, yeah. Tell you what. I'm going to throw myself on mute. Do you guys... I'll let you guys take it from here. Do you guys have any... Because I see some more questions here in the in the show notes here. Sure. Um, so, I have a question. How much does a gun dog cost? Sure. They range between uh, 7000 and 12000 depending on how long they're here. Sorry, and I just realized I used the word gun dog. Did it change whether it's a gun dog versus a companion dog? Yes. The so the full prices would be five thousand to twelve thousand, oh. depend, again depending on the program. Oh, okay. Um, and another question I had: You said before companion dogs they they leave at six months. Do they ever come back for any sort of additional training, or once they're gone, they're gone? Sure. We, uh, we have a companion program, which is six to seven months old, and then we have an advanced companion program, which is eight to ten months old. Um, the reason there's such an age gap is, is it's dependent on skill sets on when they go home. So we don't send them home until we you know, can see those skill sets here, and then we've traveled with them to a couple of different places, and we can talk about those skill sets reliably there as well. Um, and then we also... We do a, a shed dog program, which is teaching them to pick up sheds, and that's around a nine month old as well. I'm sorry, pick up what? Sheds. Shed. So like antlers. Oh, okay. I I didn't know that. I don't even didn't even know what that meant. Okay, cool. Um, so do the owners have to come to the property at, at any point in time as part of the training? 
Oh, it's absolutely wonderful if they do. Training humans is very difficult. Um, so. <laughs> the computer says the same thing. <laughs> so, dogs are easy. Um, humans are hard. So the the more they can come, you know, meet their meet their puppy at a younger age, uh, they can even pick up their puppy for the weekend. It's wonderful. Um, for them to do that but the more they can come and train not only with their dog but other dogs is excellent um you know if they can come and pick up in person we can spend some time with them that's great too um but we have had some success or you know a lot of success with doing uh facetime videos once the dogs go home so uh they can train with their dog and i can train with a dog here and kind of get through any training questions they might have. Okay. So you said it's hard to train people. What are some of the things that you wish, I don't know, either people already knew or I guess that you that you repeatedly have to teach people with your dogs? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I think I think the easy the hardest thing for people to learn um, is how much their body language is speaking to a dog. So when we do obedience training at the, at it, you know, true obedience is done with, without words. It's done based off the body. So if I'm walking, then the dog I'm working with is, is in heel or at heel. And if I stop walking, then the dog sits. But I see a lot of people, they're telling the dog to sit but their body's still in motion. So they're actually telling the dog two different things. You same with heel. They might be telling the dog to heel, but they're still standing still. Uh, so that's, that's always something that amazes me of how, how different the words can be to what your body's saying. Okay. And do you offer some sort of training to like teach the owners this stuff if they want to come for, I don't know what, a weekend, a week, however long you need to, to teach, to train the people. We, we do do uh, hands-on training as well. If their puppy's young in training, then they can work with older dogs. Um, so we really, we try to get them here as often as possible. Okay. Um, so you're from Pennsylvania, correct? Yes. Um, do you, are you able to get dogs up to Canada? Like if someone from Canada was looking for a dog, would they be able to order? I guess order. I don't know if that that feels like a wrong word to use when you're talking about a, a, an animal, but we are ordering it. I know, but it seems like a weird word. Like you don't say you're, I'm going to order a baby <laughs> up next month. Like, you know, right. um, prior to the last year, yes. Getting dogs in and out of Canada was easy. It's a little bit trickier at the moment. Um, but there's a couple of international shipping companies that can, can cross the border and pick up a dog here and, and drive them home. Oh. Uh, and we're also working on, you know, once the restrictions are lifted to be able to offer that to our clients as well. Okay. And do you know if there's uh, an extra layer of paperwork? Is it just simple as like a little bit of paperwork or is there anything, I don't know, anything extra that, uh, especially like, you know, you or the Canadian side need to do to make sure that that dog can clear the border? George may be crossing I, the border with five labs. Well, <laughs> well, honestly, they're all my dogs. <laughs> they're all mine. Here's um, a rabies vaccinations. I, I believe, um, again, I'm not sure what with the, the COVID, if anything's added on to it. It used to be a health certificate and a, a rabies vaccination. 
Um, I believe if you're doing, if the owner's not picking up and you're doing a transport, then you'll be working, you know, with a broker through customs, but I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. That that sounds relatively simple though. That sounds like a little bit of paperwork and things that I imagine that you're already doing anyways, the vaccination and the rabies shot. So. Right. It would, the only add on is, is working with a, I believe a customs or a broker officer. Yeah. I'll let you take back over, George, if you're here. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like Tucker's done barking at the squirrels. Uh, okay. So, my dog yeah. eats the squirrels. <laughs> eats a squirrel. Now, doesn't get dinner. On uh, on your um, on your website, you you mention about uh, technology taking advantage of technology. What kind of technology uh, are you talking about there? Well, so e-collars have come a really long way and they have some really cool like vibrate and light features so my guys that live in the house i can put basically lights on these dogs through the the collar and they can be running around outside and instead of having to you know holler out the door say hey you know hey you come over here you can teach them that the vibrate or a tone feature means here so a lot of my personal dogs, they know the tone feature means a biscuit. So instead of having to yell here or, or to, to, you know, go out and get them, you can go tap, tap, and it tones the collar. It's just a little beep, and they come running back to the house for a biscuit. So things like that is just really cool that, you know, you didn't have <coughs> you didn't have those things years ago. Okay, that's cool. Well, I'm looking at, I've got one of the new Garmin uh, Sport Pros, and this thing, you can do four training buttons, quicker turns, you can set it for bark limiters, um, all kinds. It's just amazing the uh, the technology in these dog collars. This thing has a range of it three really quarters is. of a mile. It well, really and then, is. We use the dog to edge here. I know in uh, the pet training kind of world, they're very. They look very down and very negatively upon e-collars, and I don't. I, like I really don't know what they. Are. I've seen them. They look looks like a big box on a collar, um, but it's interesting because they. Of course, when somebody dislikes something, they're only going to say all the nasty stuff about it, but not actually give you the full story of what it actually is. Because I had no idea they did had lights and tones, and you could teach them. To, I knew about the vibrate. Um, but I didn't know you had tones and stuff like that. Well, the vibrate is like is like a warning. So once they've got zapped, you don't usually have to zap them too often after that. Because if you just give them that vibrate, they know that's they usually the vibration enough is enough to uh, get them to go back to doing what they're supposed to be doing. Gotcha. Oh, so when you said e colors before, you you could like it had tones, vibrate, and I and I'm guessing also zaps them too. Well, it has different levels. Okay. So you can give them like a little bit of a shock or you can give them a jolt. But all it, it, it comes down to is just like if you zap them, it's just like you just yanking on that chain really hard. They don't know where it's coming from. They just think it's it's just like you pull on that chain and they just stop. Oh. It's effective. I didn't like using it at first, but it's it's effective. Okay. And I tried it on myself before I tried it on the dog. So, yeah, you do get a bit of a zap. Yeah. Well, we used to have uh, invisible fencing for our dog and – I don't want to admit how many times I've been zapped by it. Is that what the invisible fence thing is? Does it give it like a little shock? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, you bury like a wire around your house, or I think they now have like wireless systems. But yeah, and the collar, when it goes across, it picks up, I guess, on the signal and it gives you a zap. No way. Yeah. Oh. And supposedly it also makes a noise, but I'm deaf to it. So, which also explains why I've been shocked so many times. (laughs) Well, why why are you wearing the collar? I'm not wearing it, I'm holding on to it. And one time I will admit, uh, I was holding it and I think my sister said like, oh, it's making the noise. And I was like, oh, I can't hear it. And I brought it closer to my head to listen to it. <laughs> We're talking about a child here, right? I am I am admitting I wasn't necessarily the brightest child, okay? Maybe because I got shocked by the collar. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Mandy, you've gone quiet. <laughs> Are you still with us, or are you falling out of a chair, shaking your head? I'm just listening. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, Silly Canadians. Okay. Um, Okay, so uh, is there any um, any other questions anyone has got? So we mentioned the cost for the training. So there's a base price just for the dog, then the starter price... You said for starter dogs already started at what five grand? For companion dogs are five thousand. Yeah. And then the full field, like the two year program, it really puts it up there. But it's worth it. Like if you're serious about hunting and you've got the money, like going for a two year program to, to get a fully trained dog, it's not the cost is actually there if you consider the amount of time that you would have to put it in to do it yourself. Well, when you start breaking it down to like a monthly and daily cost, it's it's not very expensive. No, I think when I, I was going up to my breeder, I think it worked out to like $50 every time I went up. And $50 for a couple of hours of in-person training is is not uh, is not unreasonable at all. When I had looked into personal protection dogs from my truck, they're up in the same, uh, the same price range. So if you get any specialized, it's the specialized training, right? So you get any specialized training and then they got to put their time and effort into it there's going to be a cost associated with that. Like, you know, they're not charities. And sometimes like with me, when I first saw the, the price of um, a personal protection dog, I had a bit of sticker shock. And there's a guy down uh, Windsor way canine Ontario, I think is his Instagram. Uh, and so I got chatting with him one day and uh, about, about, and he went through the whole process. And I was like, Holy cow, this is in depth. And, like, it's not just, you know, here, puppy, here's a treat, sit down. Okay, your dog's trained. Like, these people put a lot of time and effort into these dogs. So, so yeah, that that's that's good um, good pricing. I just saw somebody ask, uh, what is the life expectancy for a lab? I would say, you know, comfortably probably around, you know, 12, 13 years old, maybe 14. You could certainly get them older. Um, probably around, you know, 9 and 10, they're going to slow down hunting-wise. Now, now breed-wise, what, what do you find is the, I guess, the, the smartest lab? I, I've hunted with uh, chocolates, and I find they're fantastic. Um, black sometimes, so-and-so, but I find the chocolate labs are usually really, really good in the field. I don't know that I could classify them by color. It would be more genetic, you know, and 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 what what they're coming from there rather than what color they are. 
I tried to find a chocolate lab when I went to try to get my first dog, and I couldn't find one anywhere. Nobody. Uh, I've one. I've heard that the chocolate labs are the window lickers of the lab family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's what I've heard. I like life. They're nice dogs. And I see more chocolate lab videos where they're licking the windows than the other colors. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to... I'm just going to leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't blame you. So we, we've been spending all this time talking about dogs, but we haven't really talked much about Sundance Retrievers. I kind of mentioned that you guys are in Pennsylvania, but how about we get some t- contact information out and do some promotion here? Sure. It's uh, SundanceRetrievers.com. Uh, you can get a hold of us through the website, or you can call me at 814-790-2643. And just, uh, I, I was, I'd spoken to Cheryl uh, on Thursday. I was driving back up from Pennsylvania. Now, I'm on the other end of Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania from where they are. They're just, um, they're south of Erie. Is that correct? Yep. I think kind of like between Erie and kind of Pittsburgh area. Um, We're about an hour and a half from Pittsburgh. Okay, there you go. And I'm I do Lebanon, so I'm out by Harrisburg, which is kind of the other end of of the state. But I was coming back and I'd stopped for uh, for a fuel break, and I'm like, did a Google search, uh, gun dog breeders, and you guys were the first ones to come up. So that's Google money well spent. Yeah. <laughs> so how about we throw that website and phone number out one more time? It's SundanceRetrievers.com, and my cell phone number is 814-790-2643. Excellent. And now it's out there until I stop paying for the servers, <laughs> which I have no intentions of doing anytime soon. So it would be I, out you know, there. I would, I would really suggest if somebody's thinking about getting a dog, gun dog, um, sure, you can train them yourself. But it's so hard to train them, so easy to train them the wrong way. It's always better to, to go to a breeder or a trainer if you want to train a dog properly. Because I've known so many people, that, and I made the same mistake with my first dog. I was correcting those mistakes for a couple of years. So it's 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 worth the money if you want to get a field dog to get the training for it properly. It's a lot easier to, to start with a blank slate and, and kind of and work with it and not have any holes uh, than getting a dog that's, you know, two or three years old in the training that's already running off and eating the birds. So that's always, it's always a lot easier to, to avoid the problem. I feel like you speak from experience. That's oh, yeah. a hard one to work with. Uh, comes back and your bird's half so, gone. Nearly, and he oh, looks yeah, at you and well, go, well, I saved you some of it. I just well, pre it for you. And guaranteed mid-season, probably about October, I always get one or two calls like, hey, my dog's eating birds. And and the question that's really important is, is how many? Uh, because if you tell me that your dog's eating 50 birds this season and you're still taking them out, like, geez, that's going to be hard to think. <laughs> that's well, one of those you think hard- after 10 15 you'd kind of get the picture and go i feel like that falls into the category of it's harder to train people than it is to train dogs no <laughs> doubt right no doubt and how big is that dog <laughs> it's just gonna end up rolling it back a, it happened to be a very big dog <laughs> when, when i got my dog 
the add-on Kijiji said uh, he's eating the ducks. He was a farm dog, guard dog, farm dog. And so when I got a hold of her, I'm like, okay, define eating the ducks. Like, <laughs> I'm a little worried that this is a violent, dangerous dog. And what it was is, like, I, I'm a city boy, so like, I don't I have no idea how these things work. But the, she had hawks and coyotes nearby. And so if a hawk or a coyote had gotten one of the chickens, she would take the carcass, throw it kind of off to the side. So it would be kind of, they would, the hawks and coyotes would kind of focus on that and not the live ones. And I was like, well, that makes sense. And, but she had ducks and everything. So whatever, whatever got taken, she would just leave the carcass over for them to kind of clean up. Well, he had started going over and eating the, the carcasses. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, that's different. I'm thinking he's like eating live ducks. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. And I'm like, so there's kind of like, when you, when you had mentioned, well, they start eating the birds. I'm like, yeah, that Tucker was doing that. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my goodness. So my last one discovered how to fish. I was running him down at the Bowman River and the salmon are running, the trout are running all the time. And he's just standing in the water and a fish went right between his legs and he grabbed it. And ever since then, he would go down to the river and he'd just wait, especially if the salmon were running, he'd wait for them to come between his legs and he caught three or four fish. So, No way. Yeah. That's amazing. Luckily, I had, luckily, I had my fishing license and it was in season because I got stopped by a conservation officer. Of you course you did. I Never did you tell him it wasn't you? That you weren't fishing? He saw the dog won't give him a license? Yeah, they won't give him a license. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> My goodness. It's not me. Honestly, officer, look, it's him. It's a dog. It's a dog. I just, I'm, just, I'm just bringing him to my the dog, river so he can fish. Right? It's not my dog. I mean, when the dog comes up, he looks at my feet. I don't know who's that dog that is. Oh my goodness, that's hilarious. I was just thinking more about the court date where you're trying to defend yourself, saying, like, I didn't grab the fish out of the water with my teeth. Like, Listen, this dog's eating homework, he's eating, you know, all this stuff, and now he's got fish. Like, come on, but it's not my fault. It's never my fault. He actually ate my turkey license once. My very first year, I got my turkey tag, you put it in the table, and, and uh, regret it. <laughs> uh, Tucker, we have to watch him because he he will get up on the counter and just whatever you leave up there, he's got it. We had uh, some, we had two pounds of bacon, and uh, well, we had two pounds of bacon, and he ended up with most of it. And I'm like, oh, you're gonna spend the day outside because I don't know how that's gonna work out with your belly, buddy. But he was fine. But I'm like, what a spoiled dog just ate like a pound and a half of bacon. He, ooh, after I cursed a bit. So, but yeah, I love dogs. I love dogs. Well, before we uh, before we cut you loose, uh, one more chance to the hosts. If anyone else has got any um, any other questions, no, I found that very informative. Thank you for jumping on there, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was very. Thank good. you guys. It was great. Thanks for coming on. Well, don't say bye just quite yet. Now, is there anything we haven't covered or that we missed that you wanted to add? No, I think we, we talked about quite a few things. Okay, excellent. Like I said, I'm not a, I drive truck for a living. So this whole interviewing thing, I, I kind of stumble my way through it. And hopefully, I, you know, the listeners are probably, I know from my side, when I listen to podcasts, I'm always screaming, ask this, ask this. How are you not thinking of asking this? <laughs> and then they never ask it. And you're like, ah, you should have asked. So I'm sure there's listeners. So I apologize. Um, 
Actually, why don't we do this? We'll put the our email out, host at newshootercanada.ca. If there's questions that um, we have missed or we didn't think of, email us. And um, Cheryl, I'm going to be kind of presumptuous and perhaps we can have <laughs> you back sometime. Oh, that would be great. I'd love to come back. Not, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you know, it's kind of we like just did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've asked and gotten an answer, now you can pretend like you're all, yeah. <laughs> although although we did we did say you know well if there's any edit points during the interview you can say that so but um, you know no no editing that part of it so anyways uh all joking aside uh you've been amazing um you know we spoke on thursday and it was just a wonderful wonderful conversation and uh and today's been just absolutely amazing um so anyone if there's questions or anything that we might have missed or that you want us to ask uh, email us at host at newshooter.ca and Canada. website one more time. Sorry, newshootercanada.ca. You know, it's only my podcast. I, you know, why should I know the email address? <laughs> um, and the website again. It's uh, sundanceretrievers.com. Awesome. Awesome. We'll have all uh, our uh, awesome uh, editor guy, Mike, will get all the links in uh, the show notes. So Cheryl, I want to thank you again profusely. It was awesome having you on. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank Thanks, you. Cheryl. Thank you. Thank you. And now we'll send it back to the show. Okay, and we're back from that interview. <laughs> so I just want to thank Cheryl again for her time. She's been very generous. Uh, she took some time out of her day on Thursday to chat with me and then uh, spent an hour with us today. I think it was about she an was hour. very nice. I enjoyed talking to her. Yes. And, uh, very knowledgeable. Yeah, and they, she just, we got on the phone on Thursday and it was just, we just clicked and then it was when we were doing kind of the pre-interview thing, it was kind of a little slow, but then um, as the listeners just heard the interview, maybe about halfway through it, just everything just started to click and get really smooth. And yeah, she was, she was amazing. Yeah. So again, just want to thank her and uh, all the contact information. And like I said in the interview, if there's stuff that we missed, like we're just amateurs here, right? So if there's stuff that we missed or, that you want to know, email us, host at newshootercanada.ca. Did I get that right, Mike? Newshootercanada at... Sorry, what? <laughs> Did I catch you not listening? <laughs> host at newshootercanada.ca. No, what you screwed up last time was the website. That's why I got confused there. Yes, host at newshootercanada.com. <laughs> Which one is it? It's .ca. .ca. Is it .ca? Oh my gosh, I'm just apparently, apparently I'm done. So there, there's a link in the show notes. Just go find it. I'll give you George's phone number. You can just call him directly. <laughs> oh, somebody just highlighted it, Mike. There he goes. Yep. Host at newshootercanada.ca. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I know this is turning into a marathon show, but of course I'm on it. So does that surprise anybody? Yeah, but it's fun. I see we're at like the two, just over two hours. They'll get edited down to under two hours. But I miss recording right. with you, George. You got to come on more often. I do, I do. This is this has been fun. The only problem is they're always end up joke the entire episode. 
Oh, I know. I know. I took a couple swipes at uh, Josh and uh, and Mike, but you've gone unscathed. Yeah, I've been unscathed so far. I'll shut up now. I know. I made a I made a comment about older than dirt, and I I did think of you, Thomas. I know. I, I was waiting for something. I'm like, here's the setup. Where's the execution? Yeah. <laughs> shut up. It's coming. It's coming. And then he had a shiny thing moment, and he's gone. Uh, we'll get talking about dogs. I love dogs. I love talking about dogs. Dogs. That's as shiny as it needs to be for me. All, All right. right. Cats are so let's uh so don't forget to like us on facebook and leave us a comment and rating on itunes uh don't concern ourselves oh no i'm not supposed to read that part never mind uh <laughs> closing comments all right and i just gotta say i'm really i'm really like excited and and that you guys got this turkey that was awesome that's like, well, so, exciting. so exciting it was very exciting it's definitely definitely an experience for sure no doubt, no doubt. Mm-hmm. The, we, uh, I took my girls up to James Bay one year. Jesus, going way, way back, and uh, yeah, like maybe ten years ago. And uh, one of the things we did was we had uh, Canadian geese, Canadian goose, or whatever, and uh, it was wild, like harvested. And I was quite surprised how different. Like I just, it was, I wasn't expecting. It was very dark and it like it almost had like a beef taste to it. Hmm. Like it didn't taste like it didn't taste like anything I've ever tasted before. And it was really kind of weird. And that's the only only wild game I've ever really had. So that's awesome. I'm happy for you guys. Yeah, with the with the wild game, what the reason that all the white meat is dark is because when they fly, they release an enzyme and it changes the dark meat. So turkeys, chickens, since they don't fly. The breast meat's all white, but ducks, geese, anything like that, the breast meat's going to be dark. Leave it to Thomas to know about all this stuff. It just blows my mind how smart you are. Jeez. Not Ah. smart. I just remember stupid things. They never leave my freaking head. (laughs) (laughs) When, uh, When I was talking to Cheryl on Thursday, this is how I described the group. I described... Mike, as our uh, as our sports guy, the guy that does all the competitive shooting, he's our competitive shooter. I mm-hmm. said, Thomas, I did take a swipe at your age. I said, Thomas is the old guy. He's older than dirt. And he's our knowledge base. He's the one that knows everything that we all have to <laughs> rely on to, to, to get our information from. I said, then Josh and Amanda are new shooters. And uh, and they bring that new flavor to uh, to the show. Gotta and I said, Ben... And although I didn't name Benny, Benny, but I said, and we had one guy quit because he's having kids and you know, he has to be with his family because he's a quitter. Um, <laughs> he did get a new job and he is working crazy hours too. So you know, uh, yeah, have a kid. That's a that's enough work right there. Oh, yeah. Are, well, plus he's doing his new job and, and he's still doing teaching and, and courses and stuff with Ragnarok Tactical. He's he's busy. I know. Yeah, okay. Still going to do a drive-by. Um, so, yeah, so that's... <laughs> all right. Anyone else got any closing comments before we get to the shout-outs? No, I think we're good. It was good to have all you right. back, um, So my shout-out, I didn't type this in, but I'm just going to be able to go out to Cheryl again. Uh, you know, she was amazing. She, she got some random email in her inbox saying, hey, you want to be on a podcast? Blah, 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 blah. And then I just kind of gave a little brief introduction. And she's like, uh, what? <laughs> and then we just started emailing back and forth. 
Um, so, and she was extraordinarily generous with her time. So, uh, so a shout out to Cheryl. She was uh, very good to us. Yes, um, thank you, Tom. Thomas. Yes. What? Shout out. Shout outs. <laughs> uh, shout outs. First of all, to I forget his first name. The Love Them Nice YouTube channel. Thank you very much for the free send cut knife. It'll be put to good use. Um, that's about it. All right, Mike. Uh, my shout out. A couple. I want to shout out Amanda and the women from the, the last episode. I thought that was a fantastic episode, and that was the first time Amanda went solo. Like she hosted the show, she did the show notes, she did everything, and I thought it was a fantastic job. So I wanted to give you credit because you you did a great job. You really did. Oh, thank you. Oh, it was great to have you. I agree. Yeah. Am I the only one that hasn't listened to it yet? I, I haven't listened to it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just agreeing with Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I want to thank Cheryl, Sorry, Cheryl as well for coming on the show. It's great having her. A lot of interesting knowledge, stuff that I clearly know nothing about. Um, and George, it's great having you back again. You should come by more often. Uh, as I'm looking at the two hour and 11 minutes on the, the counter. Yeah. We usually keep it under I didn't, sure? I didn't say I'm not going to shame you for it after the show's over. I just said thank you for coming <laughs> on because that's what a good host does. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so, uh, Josh. You're... Uh, just a shout out, shout out again to Jeff for letting me hunt his land and helping me out. Uh, as well as his buddy Eric, who let me use his blind and his decoy, and of course Amanda for helping me accomplish this goal and helping me butcher the bird. Oh, that was nice. fun! Yeah. Well, I'm gonna give extra thanks to Sarah. Uh, so Sarah and I were talking in the background, and she hooked me up with a belt um, to for holsters and all that for the future. And she actually sent along a lovely little card with it. And it was just super sweet. And I really appreciate that. So thank you, Sarah. Uh, love to chat with you. And I would really hope that sometime in the near future, when all this COVID nonsense is done, that we can meet in person. But that goes the same with uh, everybody, right? So George and Wanda and Mike and we're... Thomas. Thomas, I haven't met you either. It's just crazy. No, I've met Josh. He's been to my house. But I've never met yeah. you. No, not I yet. I only met Mike a couple times. Mike dropped by my house, and of course at the charity shoot. But everybody's so far away. Amanda, no one's gonna, no one's gonna look down on you for procrastinating on that uh, meet and greet. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> and you're like one of the closest. No, I was talking about meeting Thomas. <laughs> no, I was talking about meeting Thomas. Oh, meeting no, Thomas. Oh, yeah, no one's gonna, no one, no one's gonna, no one's gonna fault you for putting that one off as long as you can. You're saucy pants. Hey, at least it wasn't yeah. an age. At least it wasn't an age joke. I had to. I had to take a swipe at some point, but at least it wasn't an All age right. thing. Hey, I think did Wanda not? Are we not going to meet up with you guys when you do the maple seed if that event is Actually, still on? Actually, I do think that's the plan. Yes. Yeah. As long as we allow that, right? You know. Was that Thomas? Yeah, Wanda mentioned something about you guys meeting up at the lunch break. Yeah. Was it lunch break or dinner afterwards or something? I can't, I don't know. That's. Remember she said lunch, but lunch break's only like 30 minutes and there's, there's no time there because everything's rush, rush, rush. Yeah. Well, that's why if it was lunch, that seems odd because usually it's like a lunch to learn, right? They kind of yeah, do a class eat, during lunch. Do objects or something. There's there's education involved while you're eating. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's dinner afterwards, I think. I don't know. That oh, sounds like a, a, a lady's kind of coordination, social thing to work out just tell the boys where and when to show up that sounds that's sounds what usually like works 
<laughs> we, we just drive. We're told what to do. This is this is how bad I am. My buddy and I will we'll text each other. I'm like, hey, what are you doing this weekend? He goes, I don't know. What are you doing this week? I'm like, I don't know. The wife should get together and figure it out. Okay. And the, <laughs> they get together and then they just tell us when and where to show up. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> so, we have the same thing that my neighbor up the street. Oh, we should get together. We should get together. We should do this. And he, well, plan's tough. And I said, no, no. Tell the girls first. Let the girls do it or we'll never hear the end of it. Like, let them plan it. <laughs> Because we'll get the day wrong, we'll get the time wrong, we will get misinformation, we'll get in crap over it. So if you get the girls to do it, then we're safe. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, it was a blast. I had a great time doing this. This was this was fun. I really, uh, uh, I just, I love dogs, and like I said, I know I'm repeating myself here, but you know, just. I, I don't I don't ever remember hearing an episode on this topic. So hopefully this lights uh, get some other podcasters excited to get this type of thing going too. Because uh, I think there's lots of information out there. So again, host at newshootercanada.ca. Let me just scroll up here. Yeah, that's still the email address. Uh, if we missed anything, I'm sure we probably did. So email us uh, in what uh, what you want and. I didn't really put Cheryl on the spot because she had told me on Thursday in the pre-interview that she would be more than happy to come up, come on for a follow-up as well. So I didn't really put her on the spot. I already knew, I already knew she, she was willing to come back on this show, (laughs) but it plays, but it played better in the interview the way it came up though. I was like, I like that. So, okay, I'm going to blabber on all night if I don't end this. So, until next time, keep your barrels pointed downrange and smoking. Take your kids shooting. Time spent at the range and time spent with family. Go ahead and shoot like a girl. Choose your caliber wisely. And until next time, I can't promise I'll keep it under two hours, but that's Mike's problem. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small, they're for sale until I want them all. I like guns, I like guns, I like guns.